This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Good fucking morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night, wherever the hell in the world you are. And thank you so much for being here, listening to Ask Floss, the section of my podcast where I answer everything and anything that you send in to me. We've got a lot of questions to get through today, so let's get straight into it with question number one. My boyfriend is very upset with me because I kissed someone else a week before we started dating. Is this fair? I can understand any human being maybe having like an insecurity and being like, oh, maybe I missed this person just by like, oh, imagine if they, you always go, what if, right? So you might be like, oh, what if she chose this guy over me? Blah, blah, blah. But it should stop there, you know? He cannot be mad at you for kissing someone before meeting him. You didn't know him, right? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. A week before you dated this man and you didn't know him, he has no ground to stand on, babes. No leg to stand on. What's the most important lesson that you've learned this year? To stop pushing myself to the most ridiculous lengths in my career. Still learning that one. Work in progress. Okay, on to the next question. My boyfriend and I recently broke up. It's been awful. We got together in a very quick, intense way and it imploded. We didn't bring out the best in each other, but we still really love each other. How do I know if we should give it another go and take things slow or call it quits now and not risk more hurt? Going through this again would be hideous, but I honestly don't think I'll ever find anyone like him again. It sounds like you have a bond. So when you're saying like you weren't good for each other, you weren't nice to each other, that's that's toxic. Like not, not someone bringing out the most worst side of you. I don't know how it happens or what kind of cocktail of people have to come together for that to happen when otherwise you would be calm with someone else but it it sounds like there's chaos there and of course there's a massive bond between you because of the chaos sometimes chaos can bring people closer together but please know that you do not need chaos in love there are going to be ups and downs there's going to be a lot of compromise I'll do this you do this blah 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 that's what relationships are for but you do not need chaos in your relationship Imagine your life is stressful. You're coming home from work. You can't pay the bills. This is happening, da, da, da. And then the person you come home to is causing you chaos. No, you deserve to be with someone who brings you peace. Okay, on to the next question. I'm in a rut. I'm sick of my job. I haven't been on a good day in years. And my friends say I'm getting stuck in my ways. How do I invite exciting change into my life? Maybe you want to look at all of those areas and see what you can do differently. Nothing changes if nothing changes. So... Nothing's going to change if you keep doing the same thing. Your friends have told you that you're getting stuck in your ways. I don't know why this is. Maybe something happened to you, so you've been avoiding dating or you're looking in the wrong places. I don't fucking know. All the annoying shit that you hear when you're single uh, about it's going to come when you least expect it, whatever. That doesn't have to apply to you. You can go out and you can just look for it in different places. You need to change something up. If you go to the same local pub every week, change that up, try a different venue, try and find some friends online, try things up. If you're doing the same pathway and you're living the same thing, I'd imagine it's a bit like being stuck in your hometown 
and going to the same shop, driving the same route, da, 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 having the same friends, all this kind of stuff, you might want to change it up. So you could go on a little trip. You could save up some money to go on a little trip. You could go to a different bar, like I said earlier. You can do so many different things to change up your routine that might shift the like the chess the chessboard that is life. Like you make one move and it sets off a million other different moves. And that's what I find really exciting about life is that you could do anything and it could change everything. So try something new. Try moving in a different direction and see what sticks. Okay, on to the next question. My friends have found my boyfriend on Tinder. He says it's a catfish. Is this a red flag? Yes. Unless your boyfriend, in my opinion, if your boyfriend... If he's famous, then yes, it very well could be a catfish. I mean, it could also be a catfish if he's not famous because I've I've got friends that have had their pictures stolen and used, whatever. But if your gut's telling you that it's not a freaking catfish and the distance is still the same distance that he is to you because you can check the distance on Tinder, can't you? If your gut's pinging off, babe, I would... I, no, I, I, would, I would trust what your friends are saying. Yeah, that's that. That's a tricky one. It would be very hard not to do your own digging in that situation, I'd feel. But if your gut is telling you that he's lying, he's fucking lying. Okay, on to the next question. I've been dating this guy for a while and we've started sleeping together. I mentioned that I was going on the pill and he reacted really weirdly, as though me saying I was going on the pill was me expecting commitment or something long term. I don't really know how to respond. I like him and he said he likes me, but this has thrown me. You said he reacted weirdly. How did he react? When you said he reacted weirdly, I was like, oh my God, does this man want a baby with you? <laughs> because if any man's reacting weirdly, surely getting on the pill is like, I don't know, surely that's what most guys want, right? Because then, at least in my experience and from what I've heard, is that men love the idea of maybe not wearing a condom. So... I wouldn't know what to say. Try talking to him about it. If you've been dating for a while and you're sleeping together, like, also, it's your your body. It's your body. If you want to get the pill, that's your business. Yeah, that's an odd one. I also don't know how he responded. You've just said he responded weirdly. So I'm not really sure how to answer that question because I don't know how he responded. But I wouldn't think too much about it. Um, he said he really likes you. Maybe ask, literally just ask him, why did he respond in this way? <laughs> okay, on to the next question. My girlfriend flirts with everyone. I know intellectually that it's harmless, but I can't help feeling insecure and jealous when she does it. Help. Is it harmless though? If it's making you feel insecure and jealous and she's flirting with everyone, I don't know, that doesn't sound like a nice deal for you. I think it's okay if you're a bit more in an open relationship and it doesn't make you feel shit, but I'm sure your girlfriend, you've said, I know intellectually that it's harmless, but intellectually doesn't matter when your feelings being hurt. Yeah, having, having, being with someone that flirts with everyone, if that makes you feel uncomfortable, makes you feel uncomfortable. And it borders on disrespectful, depending on, you know, how far the flirting's going. You've said flirting, so um, flirting is what single people do. If she's doing it in front of you also, I'd be so embarrassed. I'd be so embarrassed. 
I would definitely bring this up to your girlfriend if you've never mentioned it to her before. She might not know that it bothers you. She might be doing it to make you jealous, which is a whole other thing. Who knows? I definitely would just talk to your girlfriend. And, and also, it's not a weird or needy thing. If you bring this up to your girlfriend, she should say, oh my God, I'm so sorry. She might even be embarrassed. She might not know that she's doing it. Definitely talk to her about this. Okay, on to the next question. Cute winter date ideas in London. Go for a walk in the park. Go for a little sexy walk in the park. In so many parks, also, you can like ride, ride little boats. So get the person you're dating to like row you around in a little sexy little boat and wrap up and go for dinner and go by the canal. All the canals, uh, Regent's Canal in London's gorgeous. Yeah, so cute. Okay, next question. Favorite horror films? I don't really like horror films. I don't really like gore. But the ones I watched when I was younger were like Final Destination. Final Destination is the last horror film series I can remember being iconic. Like things like Saw are just horrendous. Everyone's talking about the Jeffrey Dahmer series at the moment and I watched 10 minutes of it and I just couldn't stand it. So I don't really like a lot of horror. Okay, next question. Last time you cringed at yourself, like in the Flosses 5 questions. Okay. In my driving lesson today, I didn't stop for my neighbor when I was driving. <laughs> And I cringed so much because now I'm going to have to see her. And she might think I was trying to run her over. So that's quite embarrassing. Okay, <laughs> next question. Favorite moment in the Twilight Saga? Okay, I was discussing this recently. Twilight is just making a big appearance in my life lately. Do you remember the fucking baby that they made for Renesmee in like season five? They got this awesome season five, movie five, whatever it was, the last fucking last one. They got this like awful CGI baby instead of getting a real baby. And it's awful, but so camp and so iconic. <laughs> this is probably one of my favorite moments of the Twilight Saga. Also, when Bella's like going through her depress depression, her depressive episode when Ed Edward left. I was like deep in my feels when I watched that when I was younger. I thought I was Bella and I would just go out in the rain and just start singing all the Twilight songs in my head thinking I was Bella. Okay, next question. I'm feeling really socially anxious and introverted right now and don't really feel like going out and seeing people. But then I feel like I'm being a bad friend. How do I explain how I'm feeling to my friends and take the time I need? Do I need time? Should I just get over myself and go out? Help! Oh my god, I feel like you've just asked a question that I'm also asking myself. I am in my hibernation era. I'm in my hibernation era. I'm loving staying in at the moment. Um, going out takes a lot of energy. Um, it requires a lot of energy. And I'm really into like hibernating. I've just moved also. So I'm getting some stuff ready. And I'm, I'm in my hibernation era also. It has nothing to do with anyone else, but everything to do with me growing into the physical and mental space that I've created. I need to like grow into this new version of floss. And that's often when I know I need to spend more time alone and when I'm overworking myself also. So just know that fucking so many other people are going through that feeling and you do not need to feel guilty. And I'm sure your friends will understand. Okay, next question. Dream podcast guest instantly, Glennon Doyle. Okay, next question. If you could become friends with and go in the world of any book character, who would it be? Hmm. I wouldn't actually... This is... Wow, I like my life. 
I like my life. I read about the chaos of other people's lives because it's so interesting and I would never, I would not want to be in that chaos. And it's like some of the books I read about, about people who have like millions and billions of money and wealth and it's so exciting to read about. And like, but I, I like my life. I really like my life. I like to be a fly on the wall of other people's lives, but I really like my life because I've made it in a way that I'm so happy and so joyful at almost every fucking turn. Even if something's going to shit, I still have myself. I can still laugh. I, I was saying to someone recently, I laugh when there's nothing to laugh at. Like, I will just fill a silence with laughter because there's something going on in my head that makes me laugh. I've always got floss, you know? So I actually can't think of a character that I would like to trade lives with. Maybe I really need, maybe I need to read a book that is just about a woman where there's like no traumatic things going and happening to her. <laughs> okay, and maybe I'd want to become the character then. Okay, next question. What's something you would tell your 13-year-old self? Basically, the entire intro to Women Don't Know You Pretty was written to my 14-year-old self. I would tell her to stop trying to control her body, to control people around her. So like, I developed an eating disorder to control people's reactions to me. Um, it also was a way for me to gain control over my own life when I felt that I didn't have a lot of power in my friendship group at school. There are so many things. I would just tell her to just stop giving a fuck. And I would definitely tell her that she likes girls. Okay, on to the next question. My girlfriend really wants to live and work abroad, but with my job and studies, it's going to be really difficult for me to go with her. I don't want to break up, but I don't want to hold her back. What do we do? Stay together and try doing it long distance. You might surprise yourself with how easy you find it when you love someone so much. See how you go. On to the next question. Tips on viewing yourself with love. I want to view myself with goddess energy, but just can't find how to. Let's aim for liking ourselves first. Let's start there. You've said viewing yourself with love and goddess energy. Let's start with liking ourselves. List some things you like about yourself. List all of your interests. And also you'll probably find that even when, you, when you're trying to find a partner or you're trying to find new friends, the things you're looking for them are actually things you like about yourself. So maybe list all the things you'd like in a friend and you might realize that those are things you like about yourself and that can be quite a beautiful mirroring exercise to see yourself through the eyes of other people and what you see in other people is actually existing inside you. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey, <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girlie? <laughs> Some peasant Coke? No. 
Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, no, no tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. No tomatoes? Yes. Are you killed with mushrooms? Not really. Okay. <laughs> if these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. Where's the limit between making efforts to be a good friend and self-boundaries? Okay, I love to push the boat out for my friends when they need me. I love to do that. And I also need to know when to say no. That, that's the kind of friend I am. I love to be there. I love to give the best advice at the best time exactly when they need to fucking hear it. And I also need to learn how to not become the fucking therapist friend. So that's my thing, is I love giving advice so much that sometimes if I'm starting a new friendship or something, it starts on the ground of, oh, Floss always has the best advice, I'll go to her whenever the fuck I'm feeling sad. So self-boundaries come in with, let's say you're giving advice to a friend and they love it. So they keep coming back and suddenly you realise, oh, the only time I see this person is when they want advice. You can say to them, I don't have time to be here emotionally at the moment or can we do this later I will reply to you tomorrow it's saying things like that so I'd say that's a self-boundary expressing your discomfort with your friends being honest right at the beginning of a friendship is that's the sweet spot for me I love being so honest and open with my friends right at the beginning so they know what to expect in terms of boundaries what I will and won't do even the tiniest things of like self-boundaries of saying I don't know, inviting a friend over and saying, can you not take any pictures of my home? Can you not do this? Can you, this this is my boundary. I won't allow that to happen here. Whatever it is, that's just an example of one of my boundaries as someone who doesn't want her home posted on social media. But I think you're allowed to express those boundaries and the right people will stay and fuck with you. Okay, on to the next question. What are you drawing at the moment? I'm doing some tattoos at the moment just for fun. I don't know if I'll ever do anything with them, but I just, I'm drawing some tattoos at the moment. I'm also drawing some scenes of women in bedrooms. That's making me so happy at the moment. Okay, on to the next question. Should a friend adjust their behavior if you tell them you don't like something they do? Okay, well, you'd hope this is the thing. Boundaries are about you and not the person. So an example is I don't want you, just like I said with the photos in, in my home, I don't allow people to take photos in my home or around my home if they're a friend of mine. And if someone crosses that boundary, you change your behavior and you say, okay, I will not be inviting you over because you have multiple times crossed this boundary. You change your behavior. You cannot control the other person. You cannot snatch their phone out of their hands and you cannot say, you need to stop doing this. It has to be about you. There needs to be consequences for the boundary being crossed. And that is the definition of boundaries. It's about you and not them. But you have to have the courage to adjust your behavior if, if a boundary is crossed. Okay, on to the next question. How to set boundaries with my mum? I'm finding it really difficult. Okay, yes, very difficult with parents, especially if you grew up obviously feeling like... I feel like we look up to our parents sometimes or we have them as this figurehead in our minds. There's a massive attachment there. Perhaps there's a bond or a, a routine and a pattern that's been established with your family your whole life and you've grown up now and you've realised, holy shit, that was fucked up when I was young or, oh my God, I've never actually stood up to my mum. I've never, I hide parts of myself from my mum that I would like her to accept of me. You learn all of this stuff. So boundaries with parents can be particularly difficult. I also recommend reading Drama Free by Nedra Tawab. It's a whole book on relational 
emotional problems with families in particular. Setting boundaries with your mum. I would recommend drip feeding stuff starting softly and always giving the benefit of a doubt when you set a boundary with a parent. So by benefit of the doubt, I don't mean allowing someone to walk all over you. I mean, if someone does something wrong, just gently asserting your boundary and assuming that they didn't mean to harm you. And then based on that reaction, you can then amp it up. You can change your behavior. You can stop going over if your mum makes you feel uncomfortable, says stuff about your weight when you go over. But you can always bring it up and say, I don't want to have conversations about my weight anymore, please. And then she might respect it. You've got to give people a chance to respect it. And if she doesn't respect it, you can say, okay, well, if we're going to be having conversations about my weight, I won't be coming to dinner anymore. And then that's your boundary. So I think that there are soft and gentle ways you can ease into it. Hope that helps. Okay, on to the next question. How to shake the need for validation? I love and hate this question because we all need validation. Human beings need validation. We feel valid. We feel good when we feel validated. Um, I just spoke about this on another question on a previous episode about how human beings often won't feel like something is right or real or cool or okay until the general like public validate it. Even with stuff like gay marriage, you know. Like some people want to think, so there, will be, there will be some Christians that want to outwardly profess how okay they are with gay people, but because of the prayer pressure of the church and of their religious group or of their whatever, they will not profess that truth until it's made legal in their area or till the head of the church in their specific church says it's okay. Some people are just looking for a permission slip to think exactly what the fuck they already want to feel and think. So... Human beings do look for validation a lot. I think there is nothing sexier, nothing cooler than standing two feet in the fucking ground with your opinion, having some integrity and not just going with the crowd on what they think. So perhaps view having integrity and standing in your ground and not caring for validation as something that's just really cool and something that people will eventually catch on to also. You also attract a much more authentic crowd of friends when you stop craving validation because you're more yourself and then other people will spot that, the right people will spot that and honour that and be themselves around you too. Okay, on to the next question. How do you get out of the habit of putting other people first if you've done that your whole life? Tiny little things. Say no to an event. Don't see anyone for a little while. If you don't want to see anyone, you can go in your little hibernation era and figure your shit out. You can... The tiniest little things like going for lunch when you don't want to, but you're afraid of people not liking you anymore if you don't go to lunch. Cancelling a weekend plan. Saying yes to things that do make you happy. I think getting rid of people pleasing your entire life. Sometimes I, I've said this so many times over and over and over again. I want the word no just there, constantly, ready, available, instead of, um, um, okay, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Just agreeing to everything. I fall into that loop all the time where I'm not even thinking about what I want. I just say, yeah, and I'm like, yeah, okay, let's do that. I guess, I guess you know what's best for me. No. No. The biggest lie is that we need to make decisions now. That's the biggest scam. You don't need to make a decision now. You can make a decision later. You can ask people for five minutes. You don't need to make a decision on the spot. You don't have to give in to all of those pulls. You don't have to give in to the pulls of the world around you. Give yourself that permission. Okay, on to the next question. What do you think about body neutrality versus body positivity? I think body neutrality, I guess, I don't really know what that means. I guess it means 
accepting that your body is a body and not having to be overly positive about your body, which I completely agree with. I think it's an amazing concept. If that's what you mean by body neutrality, I interviewed Sonia Rennie Taylor on this uh, in a previous episode, a few episodes back. Definitely go check it out. They had much more interesting things to say about it than I did. But I definitely think that the idea of having to constantly be positive and love your body is just, it's just not true. And Sonia Rennie Taylor had this analogy of parents with their children you know, they love their children, but do they love them all the time when they're doing the fucking head in? No, sometimes they get really angry and sometimes they they feel negative and pessimistic and they get tired about their children, but they still love them, you know? And I think that's the um, the idea that Sonia Rennie-Taylor has about body image in particular is that you don't have to always love it. That's kind of unrealistic, but it's always there for you. On to the next question. What pink hair dye do you use? So normally I use Gobby Pink by Bleached London. It's a semi-permanent dye. But the last one I used was The Big Pink by Bleached London. Fucking incredible, gorgeous little bottles. I just put it in a bowl, mix it with some conditioner, put it on as a hair mask and then wash it off in an hour. And then I have gorgeous bright pink hair and I top it up maybe once every couple of weeks. Okay, on to the next question. How do you think social media has impacted body image in the last 10 years? Obviously, it's amazing to empower women and educate different body types and acceptance. However, I can't help feeling like the whole system is still focused on valuing women on how they look and that you need to feel and be very beautiful. I totally agree with you. You know, as long as something as a platform is going to be image focused and video focused, whatever, the algorithm is always going to prioritize people who are quote unquote better looking, who basically just fit beauty standards, Eurocentric beauty standards. The algorithm is controlled by society standards because people are what makes the algorithms and people have all of this bias in their mind. We're all a product of culture, right? So yes, of course, there is still going to be bias in social media on an app that prioritizes beautiful images. It's why I quite like TikTok because... I definitely think that authenticity is appreciated more over there. Like just someone filming some bullshit from their bedroom, like they love it over there. But then the other thing is that it sets a new standard for authenticity and what is like your casual self. Like there's a new standard now for how you must be looking when or how you must be feeling looking and displaying yourself when you are just at home. So I think that there is always going to be some of that online. It's just having a critical eye with it and trying to not let it affect you by remembering that everything online is pretty much performance anyway. I think that social media has impacted beauty standards in a way that's been largely positive. But now we're just seeing bodies all the time also. So even in like body positive movement, whatever kind of movement that's focused on bodies is we're just seeing bodies all the time. So then we're still talking about women's bodies, even though we're promoting that that's not all we're worth. So it's a, I don't really know. I think we're all just mucking and doing our best. Do you know what I mean? I feel like every, the body positive movement, no matter how much criticism it receives, it was founded and started to make women feel beautiful. And I don't think that's a bad thing. Okay, on to the next question. How much is Eartha's character based on you? Eartha's character wasn't based on me, but her style was, and also a lot of the words and phrases that she uses, and a lot of her beliefs as well about the world, to do with feminism, to do with men, to do with relationships, that kind of stuff. Yeah, but I really wanted to create a world that I could just step into and create. That was what was really exciting for me. She's a lot more naive than me in the first half of the novel and then a lot braver than me in the second half of the novel. It was really fun to create a character that would just do the shit that I would probably be too afraid to do in some situations. Okay, on to the next question. Do you have some advice for someone also going through body image issues or eating disorders right now? 
how you're feeling is temporary. And just from my personal experience, before you're going to do something you regret, harm yourself or send yourself into a spiraling thought, pause and go have a fucking glass of water. Go read a book. Take a very deep breath. Do anything to delay that reaction for the thing that you want to do that's going to harm yourself. And know that however you're feeling about your body, it will just sleep. Just sleep on it and have a glass of water and try to relax yourself. You will wake up feeling so proud that you delayed whatever reaction or coping mechanism that you were going to act on to make yourself feel better. Okay, on to the next question. As a queer person, I'm struggling with body image. How do I present less straight? Oh my God. Okay, so body image in terms of like, yeah, how you're perceived by the world. So I've always explained this to my friends, my family, and my therapist too at one point about, my old therapist, about the distance I feel between how I'm perceived by the world and how I feel on the inside. There's this thing, it's like literally like the classic queer stereotype of dyeing my hair pink and I obviously have loads of tattoos since I came out. It's this thing of when you are perceived in a way that you feel on the inside of your body, it's pure fucking euphoria. Trans people talk about it all the time, gender euphoria. And I think you can experience gender euphoria whether you're trans or not because society has imposed very restrictive gender roles on all genders. So women will feel restricted by their gender stereotypes. So will men, so will non-binary people. Everyone can experience that kind of enforced gender expectations so I would say just try to experiment with your style go back and forth with lots of different things you do not have to stick to one style because it's where you've always been known you can do multiple things with your style that you'll you'll find your way to express yourself I'm still finding mine for sure and I always will be okay next question what is your hangover cure I don't know I don't I actually don't I can't remember the last time I was hungover I don't go out drinking a lot but my hangover cure, I don't really have a cure. So I've not developed a cure. Do you know what I mean? Because I, I haven't done it a lot for a while. But what do I want the morning after a hangover? Paracetamol and McDonald's. That's all I want. I'm not saying it's a cure, but it's definitely what I'm fucking craving. Or a massive breakfast. But I also, I'm really good at not getting hangovers because I drink water, like glug it, between my drinks. So I'm like looking out for future floss. And I just don't get hangover. So maybe that's not the hangover cure. It's like the preemptive hangover thing. It's like doing self-care before you get a burnout, you know, doing those little things between. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. I'm so grateful that you're here. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back with more Ask Floss next week. Love you. Bye.